Good morning, Garden family. It, it, I am so delighted to be able to share the event that occurred um, during the weekend. We had our women's conference that started Friday night and ended on Saturday. And so we have a panel this morning of the speakers so that they will be able to share just a little snippet of what uh, occurred during the conference. So ladies, get ready. Men, you're going to enjoy this too. So um, we had a marvelous time. The key scripture that we uh, spoke from was from 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3. And it says, but if anyone loves God, he is known by God. So we took that scripture and the Lord just weaved in a marvelous book, um, banquet of food. Friday night, uh, the, the service the table was set and on Saturday we were served a delightful feast. Before I introduce the speakers as we move forward, I do wanna say thank you to Pastor Will and to Pastor David for allowing the women to have a voice in this house. Amen. Amen. And I think that if you've not heard from each of these women, some are new to speaking um, to this congregation, you're going to be amazed. There is nothing lacking at the garden. We have powerful women and men of God ready and able to be able to dissect and deliver the word of truth. Hallelujah. So before I begin, I do want, I do want to share um, a very special thank, uh, thank uh, thank you to so many people that helped on the backside, the individuals that maybe you've not even uh, known that were a part of this, because it's not simply seven women um, preaching, but it's a whole team effort. So let me just thank. Our facilitator was Jamie Lynn Coda. Our quarterback was Crystal Meyer. Amazing. She was there getting us on toss. We had our own um, Amanda to be our worship leader. And I will say, I will say that if you came on Friday night and noticed we had a female drummer, that was Pastor Will's sister. So we were privileged. Darren, you got some competition. All right. Media, we couldn't have done it without our media team. Becky, Buffy, Leo on the lights, Annie Payne, Erica, the longs on camera was amazing. Our support team, and this really was the, the really girders of the whole conference. They prayed, they fasted, they just supported us. Nancy Lerma, Tammy Lopez, Debbie Rodriguez, Crystal Medina, Gina Hayes, Sherry Rose, and Leslie. Security, men, I wanna thank you. Boy, you showed out, and I wanna just, we are so grateful. The women felt safe, they felt treasured by the Father because of your presence and I want to thank you for your support. We had Frankie, even Addison, Andrew, Rick Davies, Russell, Ty, Gary Morish, Jeff Hayes, Ernesto, and Tommy in security. And then um, for the lunch serving, Sherry and Brian Vanderhoff, thank you so much. It was a feast, it was a gourmet feast. And their helpers, Anthony Smith, Miguel, and Albert. And then hospitality. Oh, a shout out to Martha and Anthony and Ashley and Josh. Oh, it was beyond. So I will say this, if you missed it, our 2021 Women's Conference will be held in January. Our keynote speaker will be um, our, our very own garden prophet, um, Annie Byrne, will be coming to join us. You will not want to miss this. 
and we'll have a whole nother workshop of amazing women that are here in and amongst us. Hallelujah. Well, the first speaker I'd like to introduce is Lindsay Long. And Lindsay talked on authentic self. Good morning, good morning, good morning. How are you doing? So good to see you guys. Um, so, does anybody else feel like culture is getting a little bit shifty right now? Like uneasy, we're uncomfortable, it's been a really weird year and a half. Anybody? Yeah, so I think what happens in pressure is good things, right? So I have been wrestling a ton over the last three years with not bowing to culture, and I know I'm not alone. So I asked the Lord about this, and he keeps showing me in his word how to live a righteous life, how to live from purity, and how to live in holiness. And so he brought me to the book of Daniel. So yesterday I talked about the book of Daniel. I made it through the first two chapters, and I asked the Lord what he was saying, and he said three things to me. He said, Lindsay, Daniel obeyed the voice of God when he heard it. He said, Daniel stood firm in culture. He was not willing to defile himself or bow to the things that man did or said. And Daniel stood alone. You see, after he interpreted uh, Nebuchadnezzar's dream, they took his friends away and they put him over a different part of the land. So he was alone in the palace, alone in culture. Daniel obeyed. He stood firm and he lived from purpose. And our purpose also is to live in holiness, righteousness, and purity. I wrote a spoken word and we're going to share it with you guys. We've made it all about the show. The lie we've bought is, will they even know? That things look drastically different behind the scenes from the stories that we tell from our screens. Searching and striving to relate, compelled to create versions of ourselves that aren't even real, presented just for public appeal. The demand for perfection and curated versions of our life has led to the greatest division and internal strife. I know you know what I'm talking about. When's the last time you have gone without? The approval of man, the comments and likes, or have you been thrown by differing views and dislikes? Elevated versions of ourselves with numbers after our name, searching for significance, approval, and fame. We've gotten off course just slightly at first because we're after more and more of the things that will never quench our thirst. We were meant to drink deep of the pleasures of God, find ourselves hidden in Him, not in these man-made facades. It's taking a deep look into His eyes and seeing what He sees. It's rooting yourself in Him, just like the strong trees. And when we do, we find out what's true. It's purity and holiness and righteousness too. The call is for all, but those who answer are few. When you let go of who you think you should be, you'll discover who you were made to be, free. Audience of one, or do you just like the pun? It's become a cliche, but it's real. Living for God is a big deal. It will cost you everything that you hold dear, and as you loosen your grips, it will become clear. Every day you have decisions to make and everything is at stake. You and I both know the biggest lie is, oh, it's fine. And yet we know that God has drawn a very clear line. We've let so much go, changed the gospel so, ever so slightly, trying to make it more exciting or appealing, basing intimacy with him off of manufactured emotions and feelings, washing the truth away because we don't wanna offend 
And these people that we're watering things down for, we call them our friends. His word never changes. We must stop making the exchanges. He said, whatever is pure and holy to think on these things, he said, I will mount you on eagle's wings. He said to be careful what goes into your mind because it will corrupt you and the truth will be harder to find. It becomes all kinds of shades of gray and people around us, they will celebrate and defend these ways. The music, the sounds, the things we allow. And if you read God's word, the question is, how? How can you call evil good and turn and shrug away? Is it not worth the price that Jesus came to pay? We put God to the test and our rebellion causes him grief. As we yield to the pressures of the day, the enemy is such a thief. Everything is permitted, but not all things allowed. Have you turned your ear to him or have you followed the crowd? We've made it about the things that we think are good and doing the things that good people should. But what we ought to be doing is living lives that are no longer conformed. Renew our spirits. We must be transformed. Right or wrong, black or white, you may not be certain, but you'll find the answers just beyond that torn curtain. With the king of kings drawing so near, lay down how you look to man and let go of all your fear. We must be a city on a hill, the light in the dark. We're here to be the salt and to be the spark that brings the fire of revival and to restore and bring healing to the land. There's so much more. We have one life to live and life is so short. We can't let the world take over and distort. Read God's word and let it sink in, changing every part of you that wrestles with sin. Dare to stand firm, purity in your heart. Today is the day, this is the start. The authentic self is to be known by God and know that he knows you too. It's all about knowing him and him knowing you. Amen. Amen. So our day started with that wonderful charge. The next speaker is one of the garden's best kept secrets. And so I'd like to welcome Janelle Go. Yes, best kept secret for sure. Um, so yeah, so I had the uh, privilege of presenting with these lovely women. Um, and so my piece about knowing God or being known was knowing your armor. And we use armor because we need it for protection. And I think it just gets a little um, hard sometimes because we we don't we under, we don't understand that you know afraid's okay and being human's okay as long as we have the right kind of armor and the right kind of protection from the Lord. So helping people figure that out is what I wanted to accomplish yesterday. So we did really go into um, just talking about um, fear and bravery and how those go together. And we have to understand that if we can see the struggles that we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis uh, as having purpose in our lives, that's how we kind of get through them and trying to figure out how the Lord wants us to navigate those. Um, so I did talk about um, kind of the difference between um, seeking what he, his armor looks like versus our own natural human um, armor, which is usually avoiding feeling vulnerable, avoiding and feeling afraid. So um, I found that there are about three or four ways that we naturally avoid. And one of them is self-protecting. 
And that's just human, that's human survival. But going beyond that is what um, the Lord wants us to do. So I identified things like numbing activities, like Netflix and social media as being a, a, a great way we, we tend to try to avoid how we're really feeling. Because if we can compare ourselves to someone else, that makes us feel better. <laughs> but it's not very healthy. Um, and then uh, busyness, that's a really good one. And I'm only uh, identifying these because I love them. These are my favorites. Um, you know, being busy helps us avoid really deep friendships, especially, you know, the hours that you spent on social media. Really, um, when we avoid people face-to-face, -face, we don't really have to, to um, connect to them. And so um, being busy was just another armor that is just not very useful. Perfectionism is another favorite of mine. It, it works for a while. Um, but for some reason, we're afraid to fail. And that is, uh, you know, that's not from God. Because there's a lot of failure in the Bible. There's a lot of failure. Um, people just getting better at things. And so um, failure and being perfectionism, being per perfect isn't what how God wants us to navigate things we're afraid of. So the other one was anger, you know, and it's like, you know, we just don't have to um, put on all that stuff when we're feeling disappointed or feeling afraid um, because being afraid doesn't have to look scary. And I think some people get scary because they're afraid. So we talked about that. But what we really wanted to focus on is what we do do when we get afraid. So we know what the negatives are, but where do we go? So Ephesians 6 was the armor of God, right? Everybody knows that one from Sunday school, you know, the little kit you buy with the helmet and the shield. Um, but the most important piece to that uh, survival kit is the sword of the spirit. It's scripture that connects us to um, the right kind of armor. What is God saying about what we're going through? What is his source of power for us? Who has he put in our lives to help us through navigate um, this? Because under stress, we tend to go to what we know. And I'm telling you, we don't know a lot. Especially when they only have one more minute. Okay. Um, we do, but we do know. We do know where our help comes from. And we do know um, what the Lord wants to, how the Lord wants us to fight our battles. Because he just doesn't want us to fight um, without... Um, strategy. He gave, and I use the, the example of the story of David and Goliath. You know, God gave David the, the uh, strategy to um, kill Goliath, not right then and there. He had been also preparing him when he was tending sheep, the lion, the bear. I know Pastor Will spoke on this a few weeks ago. So he really does have a plan for when we are under stress. And if we can look to him, that's how we can get through it. Because his faithfulness is what we can rely on the most. Um, because I'm, I'm sure that you've realized watching Netflix and, and staying busy isn't really getting us anywhere. So that's what I spoke on. Amen. Amen. I, I'm really delighted to present the next speaker that spoke. We have heard um, Pastor Mike Petzer speak uh, numerous times here or a couple of times here at the garden mm -hmm. and we're blessed. But I tell you, his wife is amazing and a skilled teacher of the Word of God. So please welcome Jane, Jane. Pastor Jane. Thank you.
So uh, the topic, the verse that we were originally given when um, the subject of known was uh, put on Donna's heart was, if anyone loves God, he is known by him. And um, it's really important to know that we're known by God and that what everything that God knows about you is good. God has no condemning thoughts concerning you. God is not disappointed in you. God is not frustrated with you. God is not up in heaven wringing his hands. He's not like, forget it. I know I can't do a flood. What else are we going to do? You know, he's not angry with you. All of his thoughts towards you are good. And his thoughts outnumber the sands of the sea. So if you think about every sand on every shore in the entire earth, God's thoughts outnumber those. And all of his thoughts about you are good. God is eternal and he changes not. God can love us unconditionally because he was at the beginning of time, because time began when God spoke. Before that, it was just eternity. But when God spoke and something changed, time started that moment. So he was at the beginning of time and time will wrap up. It says he's going to wrap up the heavens and the earth and time will go away. And we are eternal. We were all immortal before we came to know him because everything that um, every child that's ever been conceived is immortal. But when we receive him, we receive eternal life. We get to live with him forever. He's big L life. Life, the stuff that we do, the social media, all of the other millions of things that we're busy with that we call life is not life. Life with him that's how God defines life. And we've received that life from him. When we're born again, we're born of his spirit, and we look just like him. When he sees us, he doesn't look through Jesus' glasses. He sees us exactly as we are. And he loves us unconditionally because he's seen every condition you will ever be in. He already saw it. He was there with you in it. And he loves you unconditionally. He's not moved by your circumstances. His opinion never changes. He's eternal and he cannot change. And because he's eternal and he cannot change, we know that what he believes about us is true. Everything that you use to measure yourself, everything that we use to measure others is not what God uses. I just want to read a verse here. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 37, it says, Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. When we look and measure according to natural things, those are worthless things according to God. Who we are, who we will always be, is only somebody that we can learn by being reflected, seeing ourselves reflected in your father's eyes. We gain our identity from our fathers. My children look exactly like their dad. Exactly, I'm basically a womb. I got to have them for nine months, and then they came out, and I was like, that's Mike Petzer's kid. They look just like him, and they've learned the culture of our family. We have two different cultures. My husband's from South Africa. I'm from the United States, and so we designed our own culture, and that culture is my family's culture. My children grew up in that culture, and that's their culture, and the father has a different culture than the culture of the world. We are countercultural. We are not to be swayed by the culture of this world. We have our own culture, and the only way we can walk in it naturally is to see what our Father is doing. Jesus said that I do what I see my Father doing. He doesn't say, I do what I remember my Father did before I you know, the Holy Spirit came and hovered over Mary. No, he was in daily communion with the Father, and he did what he saw his Father doing, and we must be in the Word daily. 
Peter resisted having his feet washed by Jesus. And then Jesus said, if, you don't, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me. And so Peter said, well, then wash everything. And Jesus said, no, you're already clean. It's the daily walking around that needs to be rinsed off. That's what the word does. That reminds us of who we are. And we will never be able to walk in the fullness of who God has created us to be without seeing his love reflected towards us. The only way that we can know who we are is to look into the mirror of his word and then be just like our father. We are just like him. Thank you. Amen. Amen. I just want to say, I mean, you need to hear all of the teachings. Um, there will be the audio recordings will be available. We'll send an email to the garden uh, family to let you know how to access them. The next speaker was our, our dear uh, Ruthie, and she talked about no as a complete sentence. Hey, second service. What's up? Can I get a hallelujah? All right. So my, my sermon was no is a complete sentence. You can just say no. My verse was Matthew 5, 37. A simple yes or no will suffice. Anything beyond this springs from a deceiver. Whew. All right, so I gave three points on how to say no and what to do once you've said no. So my first point on how to say no is boundaries. Can you say boundaries? boundaries. We love them. We need them. If you struggle with boundaries, there's great resources out there. There's books. You can learn from mentors, therapy. Sherry Rose will be teaching that class. Learn about boundaries. My boundary this summer, I'm a teacher. I had one day off a week where I didn't do anything, and that was my boundary. And I kept that boundary safe. I didn't let anything cross that boundary. I didn't do anything on that day because for my spiritual, emotional, mental health, I need to rest. If I wanna serve in abundance, I need to rest in abundance. If I'm working more overtime hours than I'm resting, I'm not gonna be the best for my students. If I'm serving more than I'm resting, if I'm serving more than I'm spending time with Jesus, I'm not my best self. So I have those boundaries in my life and I keep them. I keep them sacred. And now that I'm working, I have a couple hours that I do a day, but I keep that sacred. Have your boundaries. Some people are gonna be mad about your boundaries because they're taking advantage of you without your boundaries. So when you put your boundaries up, they can't take advantage of you anymore. So some people are gonna be really offended by your boundaries, but those people don't have your best interests in mind and we, shouldn't, we should not care about that. The second point I talked about is know your no. Know why you are saying no. I know I say no to be my best self. I say no because I don't wanna be full of resentment. If I see somebody that I can't say no to and I'm tired and I know they're gonna come ask me for something and when I see him, I hide. Sorry, camera person. When I see them, when I hide, I have to run from them. <laughs> That's not my best self. If my yes if I, if I prefer to say no, and I say yes, then my yes hurts both of us, and I erode my integrity. If I want to say no and I say yes, then my yes is meaningless. My yes becomes full of resentment, and I'm not my best self when I show up. Now let me say something, because some of the men snuck in yesterday, and they came up to me today, and they said, all right, so I don't have to say, I can say no to my wife. Okay, there's two people you can't say no to, Jesus and your wife. 
I don't know if it's in the Bible. I couldn't find a verse. I'm sure it's in there. So please don't, please don't tell your wife you don't have, you, you can say no to her. Please don't tell her that. Um, but the third point I want to talk about is that Jesus said no. I got so, I got better and better at saying no. And then I started to feel really guilty when I said no. I would say no and I'm like, oh, they hate me now. Oh, they're never going to ask me to hang out again. Oh, I'm never going to get this opportunity again. Oh, my boss will never let me do this again after I would say no. And I had to remind myself that Jesus said no. He said no to a lot of people. Matthew 16, 21 through 23, I'll just paraphrase. But Peter is saying, you can't go die on the cross. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. If Jesus was afraid of disappointing people, he would not have fulfilled the mission and purpose the Lord had for him. We can't be fearful of people. We have to be fearful of God. Who are we worried about disappointing? Other people or the Lord? Jesus said no. My call to action was think about something that you can say no to. It can be social media. It can be food. It can be thoughts, negative thought patterns. I have to say no to negative thought about myself. I have to say no to people pleasing. I have to say no to overcommitting. I have to say no to fear. It can be to your mother-in-law. It can be to work. I don't know. What do you need to say no to? I want you to think about that right now. And every morning say, I give myself permission to say no to fear. I give myself permission to say no to comparison. I give myself permission to say no to overcommitting. What are you giving yourself permission to say no to? I want you to hold on to that. All right, so look at your neighbor and say no. All right, you already got one point gold star. You're killing it. All right, thank you guys. Amen. Amen. Our next speaker, our next speaker was Rochelle Hernandez. And I will say that the entire media marketing campaign was built and created by Rochelle. And I, amen. I mean, all, it was done so professionally. I'm just giving a shout out. If you need a marketing in your business, this is the girl to go to. Amen. Hi. <laughs> oh, I heard someone say hi deeply. Oh, <laughs> I was like, oh, hello. I heard you. <laughs> all righty. So destroy the algorithm. What does that mean? So I'm talking about social media versus your identity. Um, raise your hand if you have social media. Yes, you have Facebook, you have Instagram, you have TikTok, you have Twitter. You might have MySpace, retro, I don't know. Um, but we all have social media, right? And as soon as we wake up in the morning, we check the time on our phone, and then what do we click on? Yeah, and I know the Bible app is probably on the second page. <laughs> it's on the third page, but social media is probably on the first page. But you're clicking on your social media app. So as soon as you click on your app, you're seeing so many different images. Images about who you're supposed to be. Images that are trying to curate your identity. Images that are trying to say, hey, this is what you need to do. Hey, this is what you need to be. This is the cause you need to support. This is the whatever. This is what you need to buy. I mean, how many ads is everyone getting, right? I even think something and I get an ad for it and I'm like, Okay, I'll, I will buy that hand lettering ad. Like, I will get that kit. I'm going to get the hand lettering kit. I am going to get the paint by numbers, I think. <laughs> but it's just, it's oversaturation of who you're supposed to be. It's oversaturation from people that are all over the world, but 
they don't even know your name. You're a, another follower. You got them to a thousand. You got them to a million. But do they know who you are? They don't know what you've been through. They don't know what you're struggling with. They don't know what you've overcome. They don't know what you're praying for, what you're interceding for. They don't know any of that. And I, honestly, do they even care? I don't know. So why would you let someone feed your identity, feed you, and they don't even know who you are? So who created us? God Almighty. <laughs> I didn't sing first service. Um, but he created us. He knows your name. He knows your DNA. He knows every single detail about you. He knows, he knew you when, even before you were in your mother's womb. He knew exactly who he was creating. And if you want to know more about who you are, instead of looking to people that are just putting up the facade, go to him. Instead of clicking on the Facebook app, click on the Bible app. Or you could, buy, you could go old school, grab the Bible. Like, your eyes won't hurt afterwards. I mean, they might. It's really tall, it, or tiny script. But, <laughs> but really, why would I want someone else to tell me who I'm supposed to be when the person that created me wants to just love me and tell me who I'm supposed to be? So I um, had the women, I made a graphic that said known, and I had the women at the same time post it, this graphic and just said known with some cute little palms in the background. But I had us all post at the same time because we need to destroy the algorithm. We can change culture because the people that are running social media and running the culture that we're supposed to be like, they don't, they probably don't know the Lord and they don't know the truth. They're trying to show you who they are because that's who they think they are. You know, they think they're going to show, showcase who they are so they can convince you and maybe even convince themselves because they're still trying to figure out who they are too. But we all posted at the same time because we're declaring that we have ownership and access to our identity because our father created us. We are no longer going to be curated perfectly by someone else. We're not going to I mean, we might still, you know, buy an ad, like we were gonna buy something. I mean, I still might get something, but <laughs> um, I'm, gonna see, I'm gonna ask the Lord if I should buy this before I actually buy this. Like, Lord, do I need this? Do I need this new bag? Maybe. Do I need to go on this trip? Um, yes, I do. But <laughs> yeah, so I just wanna ask, like, who do you want feeding you? Who do you want to speak into your life? Clean up your uh, social media. Unfollow people that aren't feeding you life. Clean it up. Look for people that are declaring the truth about God. Thank you. Amen. 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 You know, I, it was a wonderful opportunity to bring the, the youth, um, the youth girls in, involved in the conference. And I know that they had many takeaways as well. So it was really a, a full generation that was multiple generations that were attending. Um, the next individual that spoke was Katie Lempster. And I know that we know her as a worship leader. She spoke at our last conference, but this was the secret that I was telling the body. 
I don't know any other woman that would ask on Mother's Day for a circular saw. And Katie designed, painted all of our decor uh, herself. So welcome, the builder. <laughs> Jane likes power tools too. I just have uh, to yes, throw that yes. out there. All right. <laughs> it's not just me. There's more of us out there. Hi, everybody. Um, my topic for the conference was just to know him. That's it. I'm done. Um, so let's start with some scripture. Romans 8 says, So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his design purpose. For he knew all about us before we were born, and he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. And this is usually where we stop. We're like, yes, we follow Jesus now, and now we get something. We get destiny. We get a calling. We get gifts. What are you going to do with me, Lord? What do I get from you? And in the next verse, he actually tells us. <laughs> In verse 30, he says, having determined our destiny ahead of time. There it is. We have destiny. Hooray. <laughs> he called us to himself. What if that were it? <laughs> what if all we got to do in our whole life was be with the Father? Is that enough for us? Is it enough for you this morning? We have so glamorized calling and gifts that we've forgotten about the very thing that has beckoned us. The very nature of a calling is a voice. And I've been asked before, do you feel called to lead worship? Right now. <laughs> That's where he has me now. But I don't know where we're going to go next. But you better believe when he says, hey, Katie, lay that down and come with me over here. I'm going. There's nothing that could stop me from following my father's voice. But sometimes we bury ourselves so deep in the things we think we're called to that we don't listen to him. We have to be in constant communication with the father. I check in with him all the time. Hey, Lord, you still want me there? Sometimes I don't want to be there. And he's like, yes. And I'm like, ah, maybe tomorrow. I'll ask you tomorrow. <laughs> maybe it's just for today. You know? Even we have these whispers in our heart and we're like, someday he's going to take me there, but I don't even care if he doesn't. The closer I get to him, the less I care what he does with me. I want to know what he wants to do. If you know me well, you've probably heard me say this. <laughs> so, sorry. <laughs> Just pretend like you've never heard it before. But I, I hold everything like this. And there's no mic there. Everything like this. And he can come and he can take things out of my hands and he can put it back in. But I won't, it won't bother me. But you know what I mean? The second we start grabbing onto things is the second we have a problem. But the crazy thing is, I've been saying that to myself for years, and even that is changing. And he said, you know what? I don't think it's like that anymore. 
I actually don't think I hold anything. He has everything. And I am clinging on to him for dear life. If anything falls out of his hands or gets picked back up, I don't even notice because it belongs to him. It all belongs to him. Everything we do goes back to the fact that we are called, he has called us to himself. I'm going to end with this. It's just a very pointed verse. And, And when I read it, I felt like he was speaking directly to me. Like he grabbed my face and was like, listen to me. (laughs) You know, sometimes he does that. He's like, hey, you listen to me. Um, But I believe that he's saying this to you this morning too. So this is Psalm 32, eight through nine. It says, I heard the Lord saying, this is what he says. I will stay close to you, instructing and guiding you along the pathway for your life. I will advise you along the way and lead you forth with my eyes as your guide. So don't make it difficult. Don't be stubborn when I take you into places you've not been before. Don't make me tug you and pull you along. Just come with me. Thank you. Amen. Amen. And our last speaker of the night was Dr. Wendy Crenshaw. And I just would like to present my dear friend. Bunch of screaming women up here. But actually, I'm usually the screaming woman back there. (laughs) Because the word of God excites me. It excites me. So I scream in my car. It's really good. My best screams happen in my car because then there's nobody to be distracted by me. If you drive along the West Side Highway, you go, what's going on over there? Just drive. I'm I'm doing business with my father. So my... My message was a big question, who am I? And everybody needs to know who they are. And the world tells us, social media tells us, our family tells us, genetics tells us, all your kids look like your husband. Me too, I'm the womb. My kids just came out looking like my husband. But thank you, Jesus, they started to change later on. (laughs) There was evidence I had something to do with it. So, how you know who you are is in the scripture. It's in the scripture. And if you don't get into that scripture, you will not know who you really are. Because it's written in there, in the volume of the book, Jesus said, it's written of me. Whatever is written of him in the book, because we are now identified with him, it's me too. It's you too. So, my message is find out who you are in Christ, go to where the information is stored. It's in the Word of God. It's in the Scripture. And the Holy Spirit, who is the teacher who leads and guides you into all truth, he is going to make that Scripture make sense to you. He is the teacher. But you have to be the ready student. I hear so many people who are befuddled and confused and don't know who they are, what they are, why they are. And I feel sad for them because I know the reason. 
they're not going to the source. They're satisfied to come and let the servants feed them. But in the week, they're on fast. They fast on the word and they feast on everything else. How am I doing? Okay. <laughs> so, here's the evidence that you've been feasting on God. You take on his characteristics. You take on his nature. You, you develop his heart. And whatever is his agenda becomes yours. Because you've heard the Father say, just like Jesus said, my Father and I are one. I tell you what I heard him say and nothing else. So now how do you test yourself? And so the fruit of the Spirit become evidence in your life. The old stuff, the appetites for sin that you lived in before Christ, they fade away. But now this, this beautiful thing starts to come out of you. You emanate it. Love, real love. And that love is going to be tested because there are going to be some haters. And we're going to see if you really know how to love. Joy. That joy is going to be tested because some suffering is coming right on the side of it. And can you worship him in the depths of your pain? Peace. Storm. Can you be still? Can you be still? What else? Kindness. There's some mean people. Try getting your luggage back after it's been lost for a week. And you go. And you have to be kind. You know, inside you want to pray for the earth to open up and suck them all in. But you be kind. Gentleness. There's some folks that you just want to... But you're gentle. You endure long-suffering patience. You go through some stuff patient and you're not whining and complaining and bitter that's the evidence that you have been feasting in the presence of the Lord your God you take on your father's nature all the talk you talk means nothing the world is watching and they will see if you are any different than them and you will be tested and the test will prove are you for real or are you fake is Jesus real in your life or are you fake you're putting it on. Are you religious? They've seen enough. That's why so many people are hesitant to receive our gospel. Because for many of us, it's fake. And the way you know it's true is when they push your button, do you stand still? Do you stand still and endure patiently? The day will come when he will rise up the spirit of Elijah and you say, Burnham, but it's not today. So praise be to God, we'll just um, keep on finding out who he is and who we are. Amen. Mama. Well, as you can tell, this was just an appetizer of the full conference. It was amazing. Friday night was a night that I ministered on the spirit of Pharaoh, which is the spirit of, of the culture of today. And so you can get the entire conference. We'll be having that um, audio uh, version of that um, as soon as we can finalize everything. 
So family, if you love God, you are known by him. He loves you. He has a great expectation for you. And when we believe in God, he does things in us. But when we believe in our identity in Christ, he moves through us. It's important to know who you are in Christ. God bless you. Have a great week. <laughs>